welcome to Peace and Resist. Welcome everyone to Peace and Resist, an activism podcast. Today we have the best of with YT Bell. She was so gracious to redo an interview with me when I messed up the first one due to my rookie mistakes. Hey, at least I know it won't happen again. She is the National Organizing Director for Care in Action. Careinaction.us, please check them out. You can get involved, you can donate. This is a phenomenal group doing seriously really great work. And real quick, here's a little bit about Care in Action, the group that YT Bell currently works with. She also won YT Bell. She won a 2020 Fair Fight Senior Fellow Award for her work with Care in Action in 2020, the organizing that she did in Georgia for the elections to elect John Ossoff, to elect Warnock, and to bring Georgia from red to blue. Care in Action was founded by progressive women of color. Care in Action is the policy and advocacy home for women who care, working on behalf of more than 2 million domestic workers and care workers in America. Domestic workers and all women of color deserve justice, dignity, and respect. Now, with the Fair Fight Senior Fellowship, you had a quote on your IG, and that was from Fannie Lou Hamer. I did want to mention her of the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party from the 60s. The quote was, when I liberate myself, I liberate others. If you don't speak out, ain't nobody going to speak out for you. Congratulations on getting that Fair Fight Senior Fellow Award. But more than that, I just appreciate you, and I, I appreciate being in the universe of you, of Fannie Lou Hamer. I am around some big-time organizers. I appreciate being in your company here. Well, of course. Um, thank you for having me. And I like Fannie Lou Hamer, which I love as an activist out there from Mississippi. And I hope that I'm making all my access to crowd as I continue to organize throughout the state. You really are. And Fannie Lou Hamer, she basically was a trailblazer helping to get people of color, helping to get black people into the actual Democratic Party in the 60s. I encourage everyone to learn more about her. YT, you are a triple graduate of Georgia State University with a bachelor's in political science and criminal justice, a master's in social work, and a master's in public administration. You also gave the commencement address for the Andrew Young School of Policy Studies last spring for the graduate class of 2020. How has Georgia State University, in particular the Andrew Young School of Policy Studies, been a guiding influence in your life? Yes, I love my alma mater, Georgia State University. You know, they cultivated and kind of caught up this shot girl from Sandersville through all the faculty, all the support from day one coming in from South Georgia, not really having a job, but needing a job, um, to just like kind of meet basic needs and go to school. I was hired on through housing and from there, they kind of taught me, you know, helped me improve myself professionally. But they always encouraged me to continue to serve other people too and kind of always build up my platform. I am honored to have so much recognition by Georgia State to speak at the 2020 commencement speech and kind of let people know that, you know, so there is no direct path on what success looks like for you. You got to own that. Keep faith that you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And you're going to do great. Don't let anybody else cause you to damper or pick it from your dreams. I also say that, like, I'm honored to be a part of the Make Your Mark campaign with Georgia State where we were. I was on the side of a bus from Clayton County all the way to Gwinnett County. Mm. I'm really hoping to spark that change that, you know, I saw 
and hopefully help other people make their mark on their community as well. So I'm always honored to be an alumni, to do whatever I do for the university, and definitely uh, the Andrew Young School of Policy, which I have all of the degrees except one in economics, <laughs> has definitely pushed me to go from one degree to the next degree and um, made it financially feasible. Yeah. So I am so grateful to the university. Mm. You know, in your commencement address speech, it was fantastic. I encourage everyone to look it up on YouTube. You said one thing that stood out, stay authentic. I'm going to give your three rules that you mentioned for the uh, graduating class. Number one, surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Number two, be genuine and intentional in your relationships. Number three, be patient with a process that yields success. You were saying it in a frame of pursuing social work, of pursuing helping others. We need to elect women like you, people like you who are carrying that message and living it and practicing it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. I'm a hype machine, Can you, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that don't know, outside of Georgia maybe, Andrew Andy Young, better known as Ambassador Andy Young to some, he is a big-time player in civil rights. He was with John Lewis in a lot. So for the marches from Selma to Montgomery in 1963, there were three of them. For the first one, known as Bloody Sunday, now that was John Lewis at the front, but there were three others leading that organization of that march. The three were Andrew Andy Young, James Bevel, and Hosea Williams. And so Martin Luther King is on the phone. He's calling into the church where the four of them are stationed, and he says, one of you needs to go with John Lewis and be at the front of this march. They flip a coin between Andy Young, James Bevel, and Hosea Williams, and it turns out to be Hosea who goes and marches with John Lewis at the front. By a flip of the coin, it could have been Andy Young in the photos. It could have been him facing those beatings, and it's just remarkable of how interconnected these civil rights leaders are because it's the same movement they were working for. Yeah, Cindy Vivian potentially could have been there as well, but if you have, if you don't know about the civil rights movement in history and how we should take the vote as the most sacred gift that we have and use it consistently because if it wasn't so much power in it then we definitely wouldn't have had to fight so hard for us to receive it when i say us i mean people of color um, so definitely do your history understand those civil rights leaders that led us the privilege and the gift that we have today and i encourage everybody if you don't vote consistently in local elections in state elections and federal elections please do that because that is a job in itself because you understand that representation matters so the services that you receive, the taxes that you pay, the benefits that you get, the jobs that you have, all yep. that comes from that most sacred gift of the vote. Yes, exactly. You said C.T. Vivian, another big-time player. Makes us think of A. Philip Randolph, another big-time player. Fannie Lou Hamer, we mentioned her earlier. It goes on and on. Know your history. You said it. By knowing our history, we can build off that. The grassroots organizing happening now, a lot of that is built on ideas that have been practiced and played out already and were effective. You know, I want to ask you, YT, about the WNBA. What are your thoughts on Renee Montgomery becoming an owner of the WNBA's Atlanta Dream, which was previously owned by former Senator Kelly Loeffler? So, interesting question, because I was just watching the Souls of Nations, and the story about Renee Montgomery came up. Uh, and so I definitely have been following her and the Dream players, I think it's commendable. It's so inspiring that she took a stand with her team members on her values and used her platform to illustrate that black lives do matter and have always mattered. While the previous owner, Kelly Leffler, said that the Black Lives Matter movement was a total misalignment with the values and the goals of the WNBA and the Atlanta Dream. 
where we, as in the whole league, doesn't tolerate Black Lives Matter, basically is what she said. And that's not a direct quote. And so I think that, you know, Renee Montgomery, she took courage and faith because she took a risk. She basically retired early from a sport and a game that she loved to stand on her principles and her values. So I love that she stood up for what she believed in and actualized that the leadership should represent the values of the team, especially when the majority of the players are black and brown women. Uh, so congratulations to Renee Montgomery on uh, continuing to be the Black Girl Magic. It's so inspiring. And if I can ever do anything, please let me know. Yeah. On the ownership conference call, she did say, It's exciting when you see representation at any high level of management. It's exciting, and there's been a lot of talk about it amongst players. And there's been a lot of talk about what it would look like for a player to be in that position. I recognize this is an opportunity not just for myself, but for players as a whole, and whether that's women that are players or men, seeing themselves differently in a different light. You nailed it so, so right on. And she's not just the only one. Brooklyn Cartwright was another woman promoted into a high position, named as Director of Basketball Operations. So even Renee Montgomery isn't just a one and done, which is fantastic to see. They're really trying to be inclusive and really trying to, to do it right. I love to hear it, and I love to see interaction and demonstration. Know that that's really going to improve mm. how people feel about the league and, like, how they also feel about their leadership because they know that their new owner, like, stands with them and is not opposed to them living their values and standing up for what they feel is right. So, YT, what was memorable from your time as councilwoman for Clarkston? Good question. So many things that I was able to do in such a short period of time, a few years. I think the most memorable thing was me figuring out that there was an issue in how we process and how we supported and provide a service to individuals that were going through domestic violence situations. For those that don't know, Clarkson is the most uh, diverse 1.5 square miles in the country, and it's a refugee resettlement and sanctuary city. Right after I got elected, I went on a ride along um, with one of the sergeants in the city of Clarkson. I learned that there was an influx of domestic violence cases and calls to the police department. And uh, we were only providing people with a stack of paper that was in English. Now, remember, I said it's the most diverse 1.5 square miles in the country. So there are 60 languages that are spoken there. Uh, and so providing a pack of paper in English is definitely not solving a problem. Well, after that ride along, mm -hmm. I developed a memorandum of understanding with the city manager at the time uh, and the Clarkson Police Department with a local nonprofit known as New American Pathways to provide adequate services and service referrals for individuals in domestic violence relationships. And so that really helped us reduce the number of calls, but also provided consistent help that wasn't a one-off situation for folks, but really making sure that their needs were met and they got out of some hard, terrible, toxic relationships. First, that's just remarkable. It is something that isn't addressed enough. It's not spoken about enough nationally, and it's something that we can address and fix. You mentioned the diversity of your community. Representative Carolyn Bordeaux of Georgia's 7th District, she won, and one way that she flipped her seat from red to blue, she talked about how she provided voting materials and gave access in all languages mm -hmm. in the community, and that enabled people to easily, more easily, cast their ballot. It's incredible that you're using that tactic as as you were an elected representative to help people who are in some of the most exploitative situations. Yeah, most definitely. It does. It takes more than sometimes what the city can provide to adequately address an issue. And I think it's essential to have partnerships, especially when you're talking about 
domestic violence because there has to be a level of trust there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a devastating situation. Nobody wants to be in it, but at least, you know, providing help that's in language is definitely going to reduce some of the unknowns or just misinformation or in, also increase trust with the city to know that we're there actually um, to govern, but also to help them improve their quality of life. So it's definitely ongoing. Absolutely. So, you know, going into the new omnibus voting rights law, SB202, that was signed into law by Governor Brian Kemp on March 25th. YT, what is your opinion on how SB202 impacts voting for Georgians, in particular Black voters? Oh, my. So this bill is due to 2020 election results in Georgia and, quite frankly, across the country. Because I've seen this similar bill uh, in other states like Michigan and Arizona and Pennsylvania. Um, to say New Hampshire. Thing. Yeah, New Hampshire. So this yeah. bill is to hurt the most vulnerable population of this electorate, right? Um, this bill is solely to reduce access, in my opinion, um, to the ballot box, right? They saw how if you give people more access, they will show up once you educate them and inform them what's at stake. And that's exactly what happened in the general, but also in the runoff. And so this is not new. Uh, this has been happening, quite frankly, since forever, right? The litmus test, poll taxes, and just, you know, more and more massive voter suppression legislation that reduces drop boxes, early voting dates, and weekend voting. So those are all the things that are at stake. Now, remember prior to 2020, many polling locations that moved or they shut down, uh, which disenfranchised, quite frankly, against brown and black folks, right? This bill also criminalizes uh, organizers to give water and just food to voters while they're waiting in line. And the state, they can remove county board election members if they want to, right? Quite frankly, they shorten the time frame in which you can return mail-in ballots and drop off, which is really going to hurt, you know, people that may work at nighttime or work during the day and just, they can't get to the polls. They need to mail it in. They need to drop it off at the drop box. Um, so these efforts are all about the hopeful wins on the federal side in 2022 uh, for Republicans. But we have to fight for our democracy and get big corporations and their leadership to stand up for our communities. And look, you know, most recently, I think that the GOP and its administration are feeling the recourse of their actions as the Major League Baseball Association. I stood in solidarity with Georgia voters against hate and systematic racism and decided to move their game from Atlanta after the signing of Senate Bill 202 which will unfortunately have a negative impact on Georgia's economy, jobs for constituents. And so once again, Georgians are hurt by the GOP and their actions. Hmm. The way you say it, I couldn't agree more with what you said. It's an impact to the workers. It's taking money out of people's paychecks at a very important time. Now, even with the voter suppression, you mentioned Georgia. Well, Senator Warnock is up in 2022. You mentioned Pennsylvania. Senator Toomey is retiring, and there are Democrats going for that seat. Arizona, Captain Mark Kelly, he's up in 2022. New Hampshire, Senator Maggie Hassan, she's up in 2022. It's not too random why these states are being picked. You mentioned it with turnout. You mentioned it with how black voters, how people of color, how Asian American voters showed up, especially in Georgia. Representatives like Carolyn Bordeaux was able to get that access to them. You mentioned access again, that is everything. Georgia Rep Park Cannon was arrested while knocking on the closed door of Governor Brian Kemp, who was signing the new voting rights laws behind that closed door. What are your thoughts on Representative Park Cannon's arrest? Yeah, the arrest was absurd, uh, and it lacked probable cause for the arrest. She's a sitting legislator, 
in the Georgia State House of Representatives. And she was knocking very lightly. I don't know if you saw the videos, but she was barely tapping on the door. I will never understand how that warrants an arrest and felony charges because they did charge her with felonies, which also, I'm just appalled, right? Um, but I'm not shocked. I mean, this has happened before to a sitting senator, right? When Capitol Police arrested my mentor and friend, Nikema Williams, for standing in the rotunda and protesting with her constituents. And all they wanted was just to make sure that all votes were counted in the 2018 uh, gubernatorial race, right? And some type of resolve or answers to all the voting issues that occurred, which led to some very oppressive practices um, done by the Secretary of State and now Governor. So what you expect? It's the same place. Yeah. You know, you said it. So she was charged. Representative Park Cannon was charged with two felonies, obstruction of law enforcement and preventing or disrupting general assembly sessions or other meetings. Totally absurd. You nailed it. Unfounded. Couldn't agree more. The Fulton County DA did drop the charges against Rep. Park Cannon, of course, on April 7th, 2021. They still should have never happened. You mentioned the disturbing, consistent pattern of Black female legislators getting arrested. It's got to stop. Representative Nakima Williams, she said on her 2018 arrest uh, in the Georgia State Capitol when she was arrested there, she said, I was not yelling. I was not chanting. I stood peacefully next to my constituents because they wanted their voices to be heard, and now I'm being arrested. She was taken to Fulton County Jail. Later, she said, I was singled out as a black female senator standing in the rotunda with constituents in the Capitol, a body that I serve in, and I was singled out and arrested today for standing with so many Georgians who are demanding that every vote be counted. Rep. Park Cannon, on her March 25th arrest, she said, one week ago today, a tragic event occurred that is forever etched in my mind. In an effort to be present at the signing of legislation affecting all Georgia voters, the Capitol Police arrested me. She also said on March 25th, someday soon, that last person will step out of jail for the last time and breathe a first breath, knowing that no one will be jailed again for fighting for the right to vote. We're on the same page with this. To close this up, it's important for new outside activists to not disrupt organizers on the ground who have a plan in place to reach out to voters and organize them to the polls. How can people from outside of Georgia help, especially those planning to visit Georgia to help during the election cycles? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that individuals outside of Georgia can do. One, you know, the biggest thing that we all need is funding and continue to do the work, so please donate. I would always say volunteer. Uh, if you have some extra time, you want to make some calls and send a text message out, or if you want to do some postcard writing, connect and plug with organizations and groups on the ground um, that have been doing this work for decades and will continue to do this work in Georgia. If you're outside of Georgia, additionally, I would say if you got family members that live in Georgia, call them. Encourage them to vote in every single election, every single election cycle, because how we were able to save democracy this time was because people showed up, and so people need to consistently show up so that we can improve everybody's lives statewide here in Georgia, and hopefully one day, one day, uh, expand Medicaid. Absolutely. And again, thank you for joining me. So I've been a fan. I'm a fan of Georgia politicians. The McBath, Bordeaux, Williams Triangle representing for Georgia is an awesome trifecta. You make it an awesome four. I am very glad to be in your company. Thank you again so much for joining me. Thank you anytime. And just as a, being the National Organizing Director for Care and Action, if you do want to donate or just volunteer, we can definitely plug you into work that we're doing in all seven states. If you want to learn more about Care and Action, go to careinaction.us and check us out. 
perfectcareinaction.us. Excellent. Thank you again. And I will ask you again if you let me. So be careful. <laughs> uh, no You're seriously Anytime. great. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good luck. Have a good night. Bye. Thanks again to YT Bell for joining me. Uh, Y'all heard it. Keep Georgia on your mind, please. They did so much for the country. There was so much organizing and so much work done in that state to flip it from red to blue, like Arizona, like other states. But Georgia, with its history, with the legacy of John Lewis in the fifth congressional seat and Representative Nakima Williams taking that seat over, and with her getting arrested at the Capitol back in 2018, I think it was, and, and with Representative Park Cannon now again, that's happening again in Georgia. I mean, there's so much symmetry here for a reason. There are so many parallels for a reason, and we all need to keep Georgia on our minds and do what we can to support them. Please check out careinaction.us. Please follow YT Bell on Twitter at YT for Mayor. Follow her on Instagram at Bell for Clarkston. Again, I'm so grateful, so gracious of YT to join me after, after that first interview didn't work out. And I can't wait to invite her back real soon. Please check out the show at The Resist Pod. You can follow me at Voting Info HQ and follow Peyton at Peyton Rose 22. As always, practice your peace. Thank you for listening. Keep on resisting.